Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Kidmin professionals, welcome to Kidmin Talk, formerly known as childrensministrypodcast.com. Today's episode is sponsored by the letter G, which of course stands for Gus. Gus, what are you doing at my computer? Oh, I was just getting it ready for your podcast. Uh, just getting the, uh, the MacBook Pro and the microphone all ready. What is that red blinking light? Oh, uh, pay no attention to the red light. Did you already start recording? Um, yeah. I thought maybe since the um, podcast was sponsored by the letter G, and my name starts with the letter G, that we could go back to the old times, you know, when you and me used to co-host the show, and I could be a special guest. Gus, we did extensive market research, and they said lose the puppet. Oh. Gus. You guys, if you miss me, you can go back to the archives and listen to my old show. Gus. It's time to talk Kidman! Yes, it is time to talk Kidman. See you later. See you later. Well, it was nice to hear from Gus. But we've got a great show planned for you today. Not only is it sponsored by the letter G, but it's also sponsored by Disciple Land. And our key word is not Gus, it is the gospel. And we're going to be diving into how to share the gospel, how to follow up on kids who have accepted the gospel. So let's talk Kidman. And what a great topic we have for today. You know, I'm really enjoying this Kidman keyword. And those of you that are interacting in the forum or on Twitter or by email, I mean, this has been a blast, especially this letter G. I mean, leave it to Barney to say, give me a G. Gadzooks, gotta get giving guys, girls, gods, great gospel goods, great golly G, gigantic game changer, gone global. Now, is that a lot of G's or what? And then leave it to Frank Tan. He answered with glory, goodies, and goodness gracious, gratuitous, grossness glimpsed in gatherings. I mean, if he didn't hit it, you know, uh, well, he missed it, but that's all right. And then uh, Joni, she guessed gerbils. Now, you might think gerbils isn't a children's ministry word. Now, I actually had some hamsters, uh, which, you know, could be the H for next week in my children's ministry office. I had a little hamster name. I don't know. Now, I named him I don't know because when the kids would come in and ask me what my hamster's name was, I'd say, I don't know. And they'd say, you don't know your hamster's name? I'd say, of course I know my hamster's name. And they'd say, what's well, his name? I'd say, I don't know. And then I had two hamsters later, and their names were Pip and Squeak. And it was great having some children's ministry hamsters uh, in the office there. And, of course, Tamara, she uh, had gross-out day as, uh, as her uh, guest. But uh, right off the bat... Leave it to uh, Route 226. That's his forum name. Of course, uh, we clicked on the little profile button there and found out that that was uh, Stephen Hicks. And congratulations, Stephen, for nailing it right off the bat. In fact, I thought his guessing gospel right off the bat was going to kill the whole discussion because it would. I thought it would just be so obvious that G stood for gospel, and yet everyone just kept on guessing and kept interacting and coming up with such great... Uh, G words, guesses, but guess starts with a G. So many G words, I had no idea. But yes, we are going to talk about the gospel today, and I'm going to give you some very practical uh, ideas and suggestions. We're also going to talk about follow-up, because that could have been the F uh, word that we would discuss last time, but we talked about uh, family and we talked about fun, and F uh, could have been follow-up just as well. So we're going to talk about some follow-up tools. And the reason I asked Disciple Land to be the sponsor for this episode was because the gospel is such an intricate part 
of Disciple Land's resources. In fact, we live in such a great era today where children's ministry resources are at an explosion. And yet, it is very hard to find children's ministry resources that include the gospel. In fact, I would challenge you when you are looking at other resources and other curriculums and other children's ministry resource providers to find the gospel in their resources. But when you look at Disciple Land Sunday School curriculum, their core Bible curriculum, you can find their gospel presentation right in their materials. It is incorporated throughout their material. I'm blessed to be the author of their children's church material. And often within the curriculum, the gospel message is right in there and you're challenged to present the gospel. It's um, their hearts, uh, colored heart presentation, which is very similar to the wordless book, is presented in the children's books. And right now, when we get into the follow-up, I'm going to tell you about one of their follow-up books, but they've got a good news story booklet that just came out. We've got them on Kidology. They're on DiscipleLand.com as well. And it's just a very simple little booklet that is the good news story. It's the gospel message and these little simple booklets that you can buy to give out to your kids at evangelistic events. You can use those to share the gospel. It's They're a publisher that is unashamed and untimid to put the gospel right into their resources. They know that that will make their market a little smaller, and yet that doesn't bother them because they're all about the gospel. In fact, if you go to Kidology and you go into our area of our zones and you look on the uh, the Spotlight Ministry Resources, you will find a full PDF. In fact, I'll link it in the show notes on uh, why I love Disciple Land, and there's lots of, there are many things, but their uh, centrality of the gospel in their resources is one of the reasons Disciple Land is such an amazing publisher because they're just so passionate about the gospel and they include it in their resources. And that's why I asked them to sponsor the podcast today. And they've got some new uh, resources, one of them being those good news uh, story booklets that they've got available. And um, the I'm not going to let everything out right away. I'll talk about more of that toward the end when I talk about follow-up resources because they've got some awesome follow-up resources as well. But the first thing I wanted to address today on the podcast was actually an email that I got from a listener named Charles after podcast number eight when I was talking about evaluating your ministry and not evaluating it by how fun it is. And I said, you want to evaluate it by a series of questions. And one of those questions I gave you was how many kids have come to Christ and asking that question. And on a tangent, I said that you need to be cautious that you're not just um, asking kids to raise their hands. And I said, there's a, you know, I admitted there is a danger in just these mass uh, salvations where you just get kids to pray a prayer and um, and then check them off as salvations, and that, that you, I wouldn't want you just to count those. And uh, so Charles wrote to me about that and got the impression that I was saying that it was bad or dangerous to, to do group salvation invitations. And uh, and so I wrote back to him to, to say that that was not what I was saying. I was not advocating that we shouldn't do group invitations or group opportunities for kids to receive Christ. Um, often in children's ministry, there uh, one thing I often speak against are pendulum swings, where we see a danger in something, 
And so we swing completely the other way. You know, there's a danger in giving kids candy or prizes to memorize scripture. And there is a danger in that. And so we don't give any candy or prizes uh, to kids for things because that's bribing them to do things. That, that's a pendulum swing. You know, we see a danger in something. And so we swing completely the other way. When there's a danger in something or a caution in something, it means in, that we need to be wise in how we do it and cautious in how we do it and thoughtful in how to do it. The problem with being cautious and wise and having a balanced approach to something is you get shot at from both sides because those are the difficult positions to maintain on any subject. You just name whatever it is, whether it's Halloween, whether it's uh, you know Harry Potter, whether it's uh, anything. If you're going to have balance and you're going to have reason, you're going to get shot at from both sides. And this is one of those situations where there is a, a balance. Ideally, a child should be led to Christ you know, by a parent or by an individual who can become their spiritual parent, who can disciple them, and that child can know the, in, the person who led them to Christ and go back to them. That's the ideal. But you can't always have the ideal. And so you want to have those harvesting events where you can lead a large group of kids to Christ. Because if we don't do that, there is the possibility of some kids never hearing the gospel and never coming to Christ. And does that mean that some kids are going to raise their hands and not really know what they did? Absolutely. But let's not lose our trust in the Holy Spirit to be the spiritual parent and be able to help some of those kids as they grow and as they mature to work on their heart and to lead them to go to church and to lead them to read the Bible and to lead them to grow in their faith. And there are so many testimonies of people who made a seed of a decision while they were young and uh, to be able to um, learn how to water that and to grow on that later on. And let's, let's trust that God is big enough to be able to handle those things. And, and it's okay. We don't have to own the process. We can let God own that process. But that also doesn't excuse us from a responsibility at the same time of doing our best to try and do our best job to do it right. Just because God is capable of fixing our mess ups doesn't mean that we should do, be sloppy and do a bad job. <laughs> so see, that, that's why being in the middle is difficult. We should do our best, but trust that when we fall short and when we don't do our best, God is quite capable of taking it from there. So we have a responsibility to do our best possible job to lead kids to Christ and to make the gospel clear and to follow up and to disciple. But then we need to be willing to have our hands open and to trust that God is capable to pick up where we leave off, realizing that he began the process in the first place. We need to make sure that we're sharing the gospel often in group settings, in individual settings, challenging our Sunday school teachers to share the gospel. I love the story of D.L. Moody because he was a man who, remember, if you've heard the story, his teacher said, of all my students, he shows the least potential for the kingdom of God. And yet his teacher made a commitment that he would share the gospel with every single one of his students. He had to track little Dwight down in the back of a shoe store and share the gospel with him. But he did it because he had a conviction that he would share the gospel one-on-one -on -one with every one of his students. And look at the impact that that little boy Dwight has had on the world. So what I want to share with you is a crash course on a workshop that I do. I'm going to actually give you the PDF of my workshop, and I'm going to give you permission 
teach this workshop to your volunteers. You may teach it at a conference, all right? And if this will help you, if you're a trainer and you'd like the PowerPoint, email me. I'll send you um, my older version that's unbranded and everything. I'll just send it to you. You can use it, okay? And it's called Seven Steps to the Savior. And the, the first thing that we need to do if we want to lead kids to Christ is we need to be willing to pray. We can't do this on our own, all right? It's God's Holy Spirit who brings kids to Christ. We don't do it. Colossians 4 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Paul says, for which I am in chains. And pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. A couple of key words in there. One, we need to be watchful. We need to be looking for kids anyone actually, but for kids who are open. And we need to be thankful for these opportunities when they come. Paul prayed for open doors and he prayed that he might present the gospel clearly. See, too often we leave the job of sharing the gospel to others instead of realizing it's our job. You know, it's not just the preacher man's job, it's our job. Preacher man, hey preacher How to be good. Just another great song from our friends over at Creative Ministry Solutions. But it's not just the preacher man's job to share the gospel, it's our job. All right, number two, know the kid. You know, Jesus is the answer for every need. So we need to find out what their need is. Every kid has different needs. Some kids need a friend, some kids need a promise keeper, some kids need love, some kids are looking for hope. Some for forgiveness, some for acceptance, some for family. And as you get to know kids, you find out what it is that they're looking for, and then you present Jesus as the answer to their need. And that's where Kidology is all about, the study of kids and their world and their culture and getting to know them. And you start where they're at, and then you find out where their need is, and you present Jesus as this answer to their need. Number three is presenting the gospel. And it's so important that you spell it out for them. So often we use these big words, vague words, churchy words, God words, abstract concepts, and we need to really simplify it. So often we overcomplicate it, and we've got to bring it down to simple terms. You know, when Jesus was dying on the cross and there was another man on the cross next to him. You know, Jesus didn't go into a four spiritual laws. He didn't start, you know, telling long stories or drawing diagrams. You know, he just made it very simple. That man was able to go to heaven. And that day, Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise. We overcomplicate it. So you've heard of the ABCs. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but if you haven't, you know the ABC, the A is admitting you're a sinner, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then you can use the B, the believe in Jesus. Often Romans 10.9 is used with that. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then the C, commit your life to God. I'll use Philippians 1.21. For me, 
to live as Christ and to die as gain. And you present to kids, it's as easy as A, B, C. Just admitting, believing, and committing, and you can become a Christian. Now, there's many ways to present the gospel. One of the most popular ones that I'm always amazed that people have never heard of this is the wordless book. It's some simple colors. You may not know that the original wordless book sermon was invented by Spurgeon. It was only three colors. That original sermon is on Kidology if you want to search for it. And it was written for adults. But often people start with the yellow. You can start with the black if you want, but the yellow reminds us of heaven and how that main street of heaven is made of gold and the how to present it will be in the show notes, PDF of the workshop. And then the dark color reminding us of the darkness of sin. And when I do a workshop, I'll talk more about being sensitive to kids being concrete relational, especially if you're in a community that's got African-American kids of not saying black is sin because kids will take that very literally. And I, I once had a little girl in the inner city of Chicago come up to me and say, I didn't know that I was sin. So it's important to be sensitive in a racially uh, diverse area and not say black is sin, but to talk about the dark page because the Bible does talk about the darkness of sin. Some in that culture of uh, the inner cities have taken away the black and used a very bright and glittery and colorful um, page instead of black and have said that sin is attractive and it's deceptive and they've actually done away with the black and made sin look attractive because it is attractive and it's deceptive and it's deceitful and uh, and it misleads but typically uh, the, that's what the dark page is and then the red to you talk about uh, Jesus and his blood and how he died for us and then the white color to represent how we can though our sins are scarlet they become as white as snow and then the green color to talk about the growth and how we grow as a Christian. And then some have added blue now. And the blue can be baptism, being buried in the water and resurrected, or Jesus coming again in the sky someday to take his people home. And that's the wordless book. Now, some use parables and stories to present the gospel. One of my favorites on the website is a story that I wrote years ago. It's called Andy and the Ants. And it's a fabulous story that describes the incarnation. And it's a story about a little boy who wants to save a little village of ants in a construction site. So he becomes an ant. And it's a great parallel how he tries to save these ants and they don't believe that he's really a boy. And, and uh, some believe and some don't. And you can read that story. And in the notes, I talk about uh, the perfect judge. And, uh, and that is the story of a judge who comes into town to just straighten it out. Everyone who uh, runs a red light gets a $100 fine. And, and it's really helping improve uh, the speeding in the town until the judge's mom runs a red light. And everyone wonders, is he going to make his mom pay $100? And uh, he says, I'm a just judge. I can't make any exceptions. Yep, my mom's going to have to pay the $100 fine. The $100 fine has to be paid because I'm a good judge. But I'm also a loving judge. And he takes out $100 out of his own wallet, gives it to his mom, and says, go pay the court clerk. And so he was both just and loving because he made his mom pay the fine, but he paid the fine himself out of his own pocket. And that's the just judge. And uh, Daddy's Arms is another story I love to tell. And it's about a little girl in a second-story bedroom, and her house is on fire, and she can't get out of the room. And the fire department's outside, and she manages to climb out her window, but with the smoke, she can't see. And their fire department's telling her to jump, and she doesn't want to jump because she's just too scared. And then she hears her daddy's voice saying, Honey, it's me, and I love you. I will catch you, but you just got to let go and fall out into the air 
And because she hears her daddy's voice, she lets go and she jumps and her dad catches her. And that's an illustration of faith. It's when you hear God's voice and the, the dangers behind you, the consequence of your sin, the fire can represent hell, but she lets go and falls forward in faith because she hears the loving voice of her, of her father. And uh, the tightrope walker is that great true story of a famous tightrope walker at a wire across Niagara Falls, and he goes back and forth, and he goes with a wheelbarrow, and then he says, how many of you believe I could put a person in the wheelbarrow, and the crowd goes nuts, and they're cheering, and he says, okay, I need a volunteer to get in the wheelbarrow, and silence falls over the crowd. While they all believed he could go across with a person in the wheelbarrow, nobody would volunteer. And that's the difference between belief and faith. They all believed he could do it, but no one had the faith to get in the wheelbarrow. And a lot of people believe in Jesus and believe in God, but they're not quite willing to put their life on the line. They're not willing to get in the wheelbarrow. And you can act that out dramatically with a wheelbarrow and masking tape across the floor. And, uh, and it's a great illustration of a way to present the, the gospel through a parable or through, through a story, and it just works fantastic. And of course, there's object lessons, you know, doing a hat tear magic trick, you know, where your life with sin, it's all torn up, and how God can put it all back together. Cut and restore is a great one. Um, the heart on a rope, and um, these are all great ways. The heart and a rope is available from kidhelperresources.com. And, uh, but there's so many great ways to present the gospel. But the important thing is that when you put these together, that you make sure that it's clear. Now, step four is to look in the book. I've heard the gospel presented so many times, and scripture was never used. Never used. And, and I think that's ridiculous. The word of God has more power and more influence than you. Isaiah 55 says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We're silly to present the gospel and not use God's word. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? When we have people who we think will never come to Christ, we need to be using the word of God because it can break down the hardest of hearts. Another thing to do is to have kids put in their name into scripture. We all know John three sixteen, right? Well, have kids put their name into the verse. You know, if I take John 3.16 and I put my name into it, for God so loved Carl that he gave his one and only son, that if Carl believes in him, he shall not perish but have eternal life. It suddenly is so much more personal. Step five is to interview the kid. Don't assume anything that they're listening and understanding. If you're a parent, you know this. Just because you said it does not mean that they heard it. So you need to ask probing questions. You know, if you died tonight, do you think that you would go to heaven? If they say no, then move on to the gospel. If they say yes, ask them why. Well, because my mom and dad are a Christian, or because I go to church, or because I got my Awana Excellence Award. You know, find out what they say that was why they think they're going to heaven. And if they're wrong, don't say that's wrong. 
just gently correct their misconceptions. And then it's time to lead them in a prayer of salvation. Now, there is no prayer in the Bible of this is the perfect prayer. You know, it, it's a heart change inside. But the reason we have a prayer of salvation is that we want kids through a prayer, through talking to God, to express that heart change out loud so that they know that it is something that they're doing. And I've got what I call seven basic elements I think should be included. Now, that doesn't mean if you didn't have these seven elements when you accepted Christ that you're not saved. But there are seven things that I recommend that be in there because I think that they're important. The first is there needs to be an admission of sin. You know, you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. And that's number one. Number two, an admission that we deserve to die for our sin. There needs to be an understanding that I sinned and I believe that I need to pay for that sin. And then number three, there needs to be a belief about Jesus, that, that he's God, that he came to die for us, and that he rose from the dead. Because that, that's what scripture says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So that comes right out of scripture. And then number four, ask for forgiveness and salvation. I think right in that prayer, they need to ask for it. It's a gift of God. And so it's a gift. You need to ask for it. So right in that prayer, ask for it. If they're just saying, I believe it, they need to ask for it. James says, you believe in God? Great. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Now, a lot of people stop right there. But the reason I don't stop there is I've had kids pray to receive Christ and ask for salvation and then they're waiting for it. And I, I had a kid come back to me years ago and say, well, so when do I get it? They think salvation is like this mail order thing. They've requested it, and now they're waiting for it. So I want them to know that it happened instantly during that prayer. So right in the prayer, I have what I call a transition from the asking to the expressing of thanks right in that prayer. So they ask for it, and then I have them express thanks for the forgiveness express that desire to live for God. That's that committing to live for God. And I have them express a love for God right in the closing. So they know that when they say amen to that prayer, it's a done deal. It's happened. It's over. There's no waiting period. There's no background check. You know, there's no living for him or being good or, you know, getting that Awana Timothy award. I mean, there's, there's nothing more that needs to happen. It's done. And so that's what those seven things. Admit they've sinned. Admit they deserve to die for, believe in Jesus, that he's God, that he came and died, rose from the dead, ask for forgiveness, and then expressing thanks, desire to live for God, and expressing a love for him. So here's a sample prayer. All right, and again, this is not magic words. It doesn't have to be exactly like this, but this is just a sample that includes those elements. All right, and I just have a kid repeat this after me. Dear God, I know that I've sinned and that I deserve to die for my sins. But I know that Jesus, your son, came and died for my sin and rose from the dead to prove his power over death. I want Jesus to be my Savior. Please come into my life and forgive my sins. I want to be your child. And here's the transition. Thank you for forgiving me. Help me now to live for you every day, in every way, even when it's hard. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, how do you do this? If you do it in a group prayer, now again, one-on-one -on -one I think is ideal, but it's not always possible. You can do a repeat after me using short phrases. You can have them all say it together. When I do that, I will ask all the kids 
to say it. And I'll be very clear, if you've accepted Christ in the past, you don't need to do it again. When you were born to your mom and dad, you were born once. You don't need to be born to your parents again. You don't need to be born again to God again. But I want you all to say it. For those of you who've done it in the past, your voice will give courage to those that are doing it for the first time. For those of you that aren't ready, this will be like practice because it will help you know what you can pray when you are ready. But I want you all to pray it so that those who are ready will have courage from all the other voices. And I'll have them all say it. Or you can also do it silently and say, I'd like you all to pray this silently in your heart because you can never pray so quiet that God can't hear. And then how do you know who said it? Well, you can ask kids to raise their hands. You can have kids look up and say, I want you to look at me if you prayed that for the first time and you really meant it. And that'll help the other kids keep their heads down because they don't want to be caught looking up if they didn't really pray it. And you can also just say, I want you to promise to tell someone before you leave. I want you to come tell me or tell a leader that you know has accepted Jesus, a leader that you know and trust, because we don't want to leave here today not knowing that you've made that important decision. And then number seven is rejoice. Well, there's three R's, but first rejoice. You know, I've seen people share the gospel and, and they look bored. Man, if you've just led a child to Christ, whether it's one or a group of them, You've just helped a child transition from the dominion of darkness to the dominion of light. You need to be excited about it. So look excited. Jump up and down. I mean, smile. Be enthusiastic. Give some high fives. If you do have kids, raise their hands or come to the front. Be excited about it. Don't be dull. And man, you need to do a group hug. You need to have the other kids cheer. You need to welcome them into the family of God and be excited about it. Man, just celebrate. Let them know that Luke 10 says that there's a party going on in heaven over even just one person that has accepted Christ. So rejoice. Romans 12, 15 says we're to rejoice with those that rejoice. Excuse me, that was Luke 15 where it talks about just as a woman celebrates over a lost coin being found or a shepherd over a lost sheep being found, God celebrates over even just one child, one person being found. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He'll take great delight in you. He'll rejoice over you with singing. All right, so God's happy. Then review. Re-ask those key questions. If you were to die tonight, where would you go? Or ask, why should God let you into heaven? Now, if they give you the wrong answers here, don't panic. Now it's time for Christian education. All right, just explain to them what the correct answer is. It doesn't mean they're not saved to give you the wrong answer. It just means you need to tell them what the right answer is. It's only because they've asked Jesus to be their Savior. He's taken their place, taken their judgment for their sin. And then reaffirm them. Make sure they know they're now a child of God. Now, what about follow-up? This is where I want to tell you about some awesome follow-up resources that now are available. For years, I've been recommending Barney Kennard's Born Again birthday book, a great little booklet that you can go through that treats their salvation to being born again like a birthday party. has a born again certificate in there. You fill out, here's the day you were born and to your parents. Now you've been born to God. Here's a little birth certificate you fill out. It's got some memory verses in there and goes through the gifts that you're given when you become a Christian. Just like you get presents on your physical birthday party, you get some presents from God on your spiritual birthday party. And it's a great little booklet that you can use. And I've got that linked in the show notes. Um, Disciple Land's got a new little booklet called the My New Life Story Booklet. And it goes through how to have power in your new life with a little acronym. 
And as you trust God's wonderful plan for your life. And the P is pray from your heart. The O is obey your loving shepherd. The W is worship with your church. The E is explain your faith to others. And the R is to read your Bible daily. And you can buy these books in a large quantity. It's a beautiful illustrated little booklet and you can give these to the children as a follow-up tool. Another tool, if you really want to go in-depth discipling your kids one-on-one or enable their parents to really go deep with them on 12 basic Bible doctrines is the My Awesome Adventure, My New Life with Jesus Discipleship Guide. And my wife and I are the author of this. There's a six to nine age version as well as an age nine to 12. And this goes through how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to discover their spiritual gifts, uh, how to serve in the church, 12 topics. And you can learn all about that. I don't want to take a ton of time, but it's a discipleship resource that you definitely need to check out. But for something that's just small and easy to put in their hands, um, the My New Life Story booklets, are kind of that easy, small thing that you can just put into their hands. And they're just great follow-up tools because getting kids to begin, you know, that initial decision to follow Christ is just a start. You know, you wouldn't bring a baby into this world and then abandon them. You know, that that's just the birth, and that's what leading a child to Christ is. But after that, they need the milk. And then little by little, they start to have food and they need more and they need the discipleship process. And that's why I really want to encourage you to check out Disciple Land because they're more than just a curriculum. It's an entire discipleship system process from their curriculum, from the discipleship tools, from the Sunday school, from the children's church, from the discipleship awesome adventure, from the My Awesome God preschool Bible uh, storybook that they've got available. There's just a whole suite of resources for raising kids to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and it's really worth looking at. But I would love to read and discuss with you some of your questions in the forum on this show on presenting the gospel, on following up with kids. What are your challenges? What are your questions? What gospel presentations do you like to have? I mean, do you like to use as you present the gospel? How often do you present the gospel in your children's church, in your Sunday school? How often do you do evangelistic events? What do you find most effective? I tried to make sure as a children's pastor that every three months we did some kind of large-scale or broad gospel presentation, whether it was in Awana or Sunday School or Kids Church, because just teaching the Bible content and just running our standard programs wasn't enough for me. I wasn't content. I wanted to make sure that as kids came and went and families came and went, that we were strategically presenting the gospel regularly, that as families passed through our ministry, that there were opportunities on a regular basis to hear the gospel, to hear the basics of the gospel, that people were lost, that they needed a savior, and here's what the gospel message was, and there were opportunities to accept Christ regularly, whether that was in Juana during the week, during Sunday school, during kids' church, and then during bigger special events. Because if you're not intentionally harvesting and throwing out the net, there are people who are going to miss that opportunity. And wouldn't it be a shame if there were kids coming to church, learning the Bible, memorizing Bible verses, learning virtues, you know, discovering all these great things about God and about the Bible and about living a good life, that never actually heard the gospel. And never actually came to Christ. 
and someday stood before God and said, you know, I learned this, I did this, I heard this, I did this in your name and that in your name. And Jesus actually said to them, I'm sorry, but I never knew you. And we shared some responsibility in that. You know, the gospel seems to be the best kept secret in some ministries. There's a man who led a life of danger Talking about his Lord, he's a life changer Oh, everywhere he went, the people would repent Who knows who he'll witness to tomorrow Sacred Agent Man, Sacred And preaching in God's name. Well, the gospel's not meant to be a top secret mission. It's supposed to be our main mission. And I can't wait to hear uh, some of the feedback and uh, some of the questions and get talking about how we can make the gospel more central to our ministries because there's no greater joy than seeing a child come to Christ and then watching the transformation of their life as Jesus becomes the most important thing in their life. Well, thanks for listening to Kidman Talk. I want to hear from you, big member. It's carl at kidmantalk.com. It's Twitter at Kidman Talk. It's the forum linked in the show notes so you can interact with the show. Next week will be our Kidman keyword that starts with the letter H so you get to try and guess what it could be. Check out discipleland.com and all the resources that are available on their website so you can become a better discipler of children and make a difference that's going to last for all of eternity. Download my Leading Kids to Christ PDF so that you can be equipped to equip others. And until next time, this is Carl Bashton, the Kidologist, coming to you from kidology.org.